peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are rejoicing and glad in it. Let's greet one another in that spirit of joy. you to share your names with us and one another on the friendship pad as it passes your way. Note the names of those with whom uh, you are worshiping this day. Uh, this is a special year for us as all of us know 100th anniversary which we're going to celebrate in a big way tonight at the Hotel Laguna beginning at uh, 6 o'clock. If you can be there a bit early 545 or so because we have a, a big program and a wonderful dinner time and fellowship. So we're looking forward to sharing this with you. You've all received emails, I believe, about parking. And um, you can park at the Susie Q Center over here. You can park in our church parking lot behind the third, uh, off of 3rd Street or down at Mermaid. And there will be a shuttle running back and forth between here and the hotel. So... Uh, you should get in and out of there just fine. Next Sunday, September 24th, uh, Nate Felmuth from Fuller Seminary is going to be uh, at the 10 o'clock hour leading a seminar on the Protestant Reformation. This is the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. And we have a class beginning. We're using materials from, uh, related to the Heidelberg Catechism and um, uh, Judy Bell will be leading that. It's called Body and Soul. Those of you interested in the sacred story and learning to pray, uh, that group will be meeting on Thursdays at um, 4 p.m. You can sign up this morning. There's a skin cancer screening this coming week. And um, Club 325, we haven't said too much about the men's retreat but uh, most of the men, I think, have been notified. We are going to have a men's retreat the middle of October. There's room, and uh, I would encourage you men to take this as an opportunity to be away. John McKaig, pastor at Tribuco Presbyterian Church, is our leader. We always have a wonderful time at this, this time of year. So sign up. Uh, we'd love to have you with us. Let's pray together. Lord, uh, you lead us into these holy moments in our lives. We are so grateful that we can come into this house of God on this very special Sunday in our history. Indeed, all the Sundays of, of this year, we are remembering that uh, 
We were organized and chartered uh, 1917 by the Presbytery of Los Angeles. We thank you for the, faith, the faithfulness of saints who have been with us and who have prayed and worked and labored to make this church what it is today and to keep us alive in mission on this corner here on the south coast of Orange County. So we ask that together a deep spirit of thanksgiving and joy may rest upon us as we contemplate what it means for us to be the faithful people of God in response to you. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please join me for our call to worship. O oh God, you are my God. I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So, so I, I have looked, looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding, beholding your power and glory, because, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands and call on your name. So we will bless you as long as we live. We lift up our hands and call on your name. Amen. Let us stand and worship the living God. All ye who hear, come to his temple. Draw near. Join me in glad adoration.
our call to confession. Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who answer prayer, to you all flesh shall come. When deeds of iniquity overwhelm us, you forgive our transgressions. Happy are those whom you choose to bring near to live in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, your holy temple. Let us pray together. God of everlasting love, we confess that we have been unfaithful to our covenant with you and with one another. We have worshipped other gods, money, power, greed, and convenience. Forgive us, gracious God. We have served our own self-interest instead of serving only you and your people. Forgive us, gracious God. We have not loved our neighbor as you have commanded, nor have we rightly loved ourselves. Forgive us, gracious God. Bring us back into the fullness of our covenant with you and one another. Let us now take a moment for personal silent confession. Amen. Hear the good news. In the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, we are assured that there is no sin so terrible that God cannot forgive, no hurt so terrible that God cannot heal. God accepts, God forgives, and God sets free. Receive the forgiving love of God. Thanks be to God. Amen.
invite you to open your Bibles to the Psalms, Psalm 84 this morning. Psalms, all 150 of them were Jesus' prayer book. If you want to learn to pray, pray to the Psalms. Listen to the Word of God, to the story of Israel, to our own personal story. And so we reflect upon selected Psalms this fall season. Psalm 84. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, indeed it faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home or the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. Happy are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, or the wilderness, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. The God of gods will be seen in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. He bestows favor and honor. No good thing does the Lord withhold for those, from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, happy is everyone who trusts in you. And at the very end of the New Testament from the book of Revelation, John's vision of the new heaven and new earth, the new Jerusalem, Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God. They will be his peoples. And God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. For the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. My first visit to the state of Israel was in September 1971. We landed at Lode Airport, which the name of it was changed in 72 to uh, Ben-Gurion International Airport. It was a much smaller airport in 1971. You got off the plane and um, 
You stood waiting for the tram to take you into the terminal, a very small terminal. And while we were waiting for the tram, we looked back and we noticed that there were a number of Jewish rabbis and Jewish pilgrims who had come from everywhere who were on the plane with us. And as they disembarked the ramp going up into the plane and moved a few steps away, those pilgrims began to get on their hands and their knees and to pray with thanksgiving and to kiss the ground. They had come home. Home to their spiritual place. Home of prophets and priests and kings. Home of the temple, the house of God, where it was believed that God dwelt with his people in the Holy of Holies. Home to the place where the Jewish people would go up three times a year to worship the Lord. And as they went up, they would sing psalms called the Psalms of Ascent, Psalms 120 to 134 or so. Beautiful psalms. Psalm 84 is very much like them. A reminder to the people of God that this is where they belonged. That this was the place that celebrated God's covenant making with his people of his creation of the world, of his redemption of his people out of Egyptian slavery, of his settling them in the promised land. All of this was dancing in the imaginations of those who disembarked the plane that day. And we as Gentile Christians who had been studying for the previous year together, a group of us, both Old and New Testaments, we were of one spirit with them. We had come home also. And there was great joy and thanksgiving. We took the bus out of the airport. We began the journey. We saw signs on the streets, all kinds of biblical names. And that in itself was exciting. And finally, as we entered the old city of Jerusalem and, and turned the corner, we looked and we saw the golden dome of the rock built over the site, the rock of sacrifice that the Jewish people believed was the rock of sacrifice, Mount Moriah, where Abraham offered up his son Isaac, but God provided the ram as a substitute. One of the most moving, painful stories of the Old Testament, the Muslims believe that place is where Muhammad ascended into heaven for Muslims, Jews, and Christians then. Mount Zion, ground zero, holy ground, spiritual place. An expression of the great and deep longing in the human heart for the living God whom we have come to know in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we identify. 
And in the mission of the church that is stretched around the world, indeed, the Protestant Reformation movement has moved around the world. And Presbyterian Scots and Irish and English and Dutch came to the United States before we were the United States. And we've been a part of this country from the very beginning. And here we are today, and we've built houses of prayer temples for God, for God's people to come and worship, to have a spiritual home that would become the center of life. You may remember, those of you who were with us in December of 2010, we came back into this restored building, this house of God that first was built here in 1928 small group of people in 1917 organized as a Presbyterian church by the Presbytery of Los Angeles. And Ray Brems, who was the pastor in 1925 until 1949, they led a movement, and by 1928, this, the basic structure of Laguna Presbyterian was here, even before the streets were paved, and it was this building and the Hotel Laguna, two buildings that stood out in all the pictures. And this place has been here. It was built large enough to contain all the residents of Laguna Beach. A visionary people had a vision for reaching this community, for serving this community. As we received the proclamation from the city council last Tuesday evening, celebrating our 100th anniversary, I shared with the council and with the people who were gathered that we are a worship center. We're an education center. We're a fellowship center. We're a service center. We've been the place of recovery for this community when we were trying to recover from the fire of 1993. We serve the children, the youth, and the adults of this community. We have a mission that reaches to the ends of the earth. When we came back into this building, we had no idea that the final restoration would cost us $14 million. The one who loaned us the final $7 million construction loan made me sign that document, as I've said before. I never signed a document like that. Thankfully, Gus and Rick with the official signers, but he wanted me to sign. And then we began the journey of the last 10 years to pay it off. And in June, three years earlier, we announced that we'd made our final payment and Laguna Presbyterian Church is debt-free. <laughs> and it's worth telling that story. I'll never get tired of telling that story. You may get tired of me saying. <laughs> but what I really wanted to say in my heart to the city council was is that God had done a mighty work in the center of this city, a good city, a secular city, a city in which churches have very great difficulty in growing and maintaining. But we've been a people here with a vision and we believe that a hundred years from this Sunday, there will be a congregation of Presbyterians, Christians here, bearing witness, a lighthouse of the gospel. That's what we believe. 
And we work from this church to preserve the peace and the unity of the body of Christ. And it has been a wonderful experience to know that we're not alone, but that we're with in a presbytery. We're a part of a national church that has its problems, but also has its great strengths and wonderful history and gives to us the freedom to proclaim the word of God and to lift up Jesus Christ and his cross. And all of this is too much to talk about on one Sunday. But it needs to be said, and the Psalm 84 is one of those psalms that pilgrims sang. And they sang it because they were entering into the center of spiritual reality into the foundation of their identity and destiny. They were singing about the temple in Jerusalem because this was the dwelling place of God. Now we know that God's Spirit dwells in the human heart and no building can contain God. So there's a profound mystery about what is at the center and we know that Jesus and his body was the temple of the living God and that the glory of God dwelt in him. And we know that his people that were anointed with his spirit became the temple of the living God. And so the temple of God is the people of God. As Jesus said, the day will come when people will worship in spirit and in truth. And you don't have to go up to Jerusalem or any other particular place, and yet God's people have built houses along the way, houses of prayer that symbolize to us and interpret to us and instruct us in who we are and what it is that we believe and which sustains our lives. We come to the center. We come to this place because we are spiritually hungry and thirsty. I love the way the psalmist says this, how lovely is your dwelling place, O God. How lovely are your courts. How beautiful they are because it is in this place that you dwell. It is here your people come to listen to the word. This is the center indeed of all of the earth. And from here, the law of the Lord, the good news of the gospel, the revelation will shine forth into the world. Psalm 42 spoke of it this way. It says, as a deer longs for streams of flowing water, so my heart and soul long for you. And so what the psalm reminds us of is that there is a deep longing in our hearts. We sing about it during Advent season. There's a longing in my heart for you, oh God. Do you feel that longing? It's the witness of the Holy Spirit drawing us, telling us there's more to life than just the accumulation of money, sex, and power, and of taking trips and drinking liquor and eating food and having pleasures, all these things can be wonderful in themselves. 
But if they become ends in our lives, they do not satisfy. We come home again, and the same old spiritual vacuum and emptiness is in our soul. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you, O God, St. Augustine said. So what this building says to me is that this is the center. This is the center, and here we rejoice and we celebrate that we've come home. And we baptize here, and we come to the table of the Lord here. We marry here. Millers brought their wedding pictures this morning from 1980. In June, we had a special month in which we celebrated all the ones who have been married here and we had wedding booklets and pictures and people coming from everywhere bearing witness that they wanted to be married in this church because it looks like a church <laughs> and this is a beautiful city anyway but there's something much deeper going on than that it's the call of God to come home We journey toward the strength that we need. This is a psalm that proclaims that the people of God go from strength to strength. In and of ourselves, we do not have the energy to live. We are totally dependent upon the grace of God, the presence of God to animate our lives, to be within us, to give us the spiritual power we need to live and to love and to build and to make a difference in the world. And so we go from strength to strength, the psalmist said, and blessed are those in whose hearts are the highways of Zion. You ever think about the highways that have been engraved in your heart? I grew up on Route 66. You ever traveled Route 66? In the days before the interstates, went right through the middle of my town. My dad had a business there. I'd stand and watch the cars going back and forth between Oklahoma and California. All the Okies, the Arkies, the Californians, the Texans. Major passageway from Chicago to L.A. And it set up such a wanderlust within me. I used to watch that sunset across the Texas Panhandle, and it drew me west. I knew I was going somewhere. I didn't know where. But what I discovered along the way, I could not have made it this far if it had not been for the strength of Almighty God. As we come to the center here, we are nurtured with the presence of Christ, and He becomes so alive in our fellowship that we become a different kind of people and we discover that this is a, a journey into becoming persons of substance rather than mere shadows. Remember C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce? Of all these people who lived in shadow land and thought that was real and who were shadows themselves, not much more than ghosts. And when they died... They went to a place where they had the opportunity to choose to take a tram to heaven, to move out of shadow land into ultimate reality, and to become persons of substance along the way. 
And many took that tram. And many who took the tram and went to the threshold of heaven discovered they didn't like what they saw. They didn't like what they heard. And they decided it'd be much easier just to live in the shadow lands of alienation, of separation, of emptiness and nothingness. But for those who went further up and further in, they walked to begin with on green grass, the greenest grass they had ever seen that hurt their feet because it was so real. Can you imagine grass like that? Walking on grass. That you have to get toughened up to walk on. But the further up and the further in to go, the more you become a person of substance, the person that God intended you to be anyway. It's like the Apostle Paul said, I lost everything that had been important to me in my previous life. All the things that I thought were real but turned out not to be. And now I regard them as dung because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ. The great goal and pursuit of my life has become I want to know Christ and the power of his suffering and his resurrection life. I want to know him because in knowing him, I began to have his mind and I become the person that he intended to me. He's alive within me. I'm a person of substance. I know who I am. I know what the church is about. A group of broken, fallen, forgiven sinners who are on their way to spiritual maturity. Persons of substance. But then lastly, it's a journey into happiness. Not the kind of happiness maybe we think of. Not a giddy kind of happiness, but an experience of blessing. Psalmist says, no good thing does the Lord withhold from those who love him and walk in his way. Think about that. I, I've had many times in my life when I've wanted many things and I've had lots of ambitions and restlessness in my life. And I prayed about those things that God would give them to me, but he didn't give them to me, but he gave me what I needed, that which is good. And I'm so grateful today to be a pastor, to know you, to love you, and to be involved in the mission of the church with you. That is a source of great blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek, they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, they'll see God. What do you want from life? Where are you going? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be satisfied. This is what this spiritual journey is about. And the psalmist knew this. N.T. Wright, one of the great biblical scholars of our time, wrote a book called The Case for the Psalms. And in it, he, he gave a testimony to his own dad. His dad came back from World War II, 1945. He'd been in a German prison of war camp for five years. He faced a whole new beginning. He's offered a job as a part of a territorial army in England. 
the same time, it just so happened he was offered a job of being the warden of his local church. What he knew for sure, Tom discovered in reading his diaries after he was gone, was dad made a purposeful, a purposeful commitment to serving the church, of being the custodian, of being the keeper of the key, of being a legal official within the church, of handing out the bulletins and the prayer books and the hymn books and the Bibles and, and all of that. And he spent the rest of his life doing that because he said, I'd rather be I'd rather be a keeper of the door of the temple of God than to live in the tents or the buildings of wickedness. You'd have to say there's something going on in the life of that man. He found a reason to live. So we're here this morning. And why we're here is an expression of a great journey into the fullness of life. And we are being changed and transformed. None of us are the same. We came here, my son here this morning was three years old. Yesterday he had his 48th birthday. Happy birthday, Jeff. We love him. We could have never made it through those years of parenting without you. Our spiritual home, our friends who've loved us and forgiven us and allowed us to become more and more persons and a family of substance as we together deal with the great issues of life. That's why I pray the Psalms every day because they connect me with reality. They draw me to the center. They mediate the strength that I need to face the day. They help give to me the mind of Christ. And they touch my life with the blessedness of heaven that will not be fulfilled until that day comes in which we stand in the new Jerusalem, the dwelling place of God, the new heaven, the new earth, in which sin and death are no more and the people of God are at last at home in the fullness. Pray with me. Lord, we are so grateful that you love us, that your grace has been extended to us, unworthy as we are, broken as we are, but you are putting us together. And you've set up a desire and a longing deep in our hearts to come to you by the way of the cross of Jesus, to keep looking to heaven as the deer do, to keep looking to you for guidance and hope and protection and strength and substance that we need. We praise you for your faithfulness to us.
You've never let us down. Help us always to be faithful to you. And we ask that your blessing will be upon this church, this family of faith, to the end of time, so that 100, 200 years from now, there will be a vital lighthouse of the gospel in this place. We pray in your name. Amen. Would you please stand with me and let's affirm our faith. Words from the Heidelberg Catechism, first question and answer. One of the great affirmations of faith from the Protestant Reformation in the Reformed part of Germany. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I belong, body and soul, in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who at the cost of his own blood has fully paid for all my sins and has completely freed me from the dominion of the devil, that he protects me so well that without the will of my Father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, that everything must fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering. From Revelation 21, see the home of God is now among mortals. He will dwell with them as their God and they will be his people God himself will be with them. Tears will be wiped away. Crying will be no more. Death will be no more. He will be our home.
there what shall we do? We shall sing. Lord Jehovah reigns in majesty. We will bow before the throne. We will worship him in righteousness. We will worship him alone. So let us stand and sing that together. Heavenly Father, thank you for all the blessings that you give all of us. Thank you for your love, compassion, mercy. You made us. You loved us first. Please accept these gifts as our gratitude for your love. Almighty God, who taught us to pray not only for ourselves but for the people everywhere, Hear us as we pray for others in the name of Jesus Christ. God, you are our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You are strength to those who suffer and comfort those who grieve. Let the prayers of, our ch of your children who are in trouble rise to you. We pray for those who are ill or, in su or are suffering loss and long for your healing touch. Make the weak strong, the sick healthy, the broken whole, and confirm those who serve them as agents of your love. For those in distress, grant mercy, grant relief, grant refreshment. As those who have lost so much in the fires, the hurricanes, the earthquakes, begin to rebuild, we commend those neighborhoods to your care. Almighty God, inspire the whole church with your power, unity, and peace. Grant that all who trust you may obey your word and live together in love. Lead our nation in the way of justice and goodwill. Direct our leaders that they may rule fairly, maintain order, uphold those in need, and defend oppressed people that this world may claim your rule and know your peace. Give grace to all who proclaim the gospel through word and sacrament and deeds of mercy, that, their, that by their teaching and example, they may reveal your love for all people. Hear our prayers. God of grace, may we grow in your faithful disciples, working according to your purpose for you show, for you shown us what you require, but do, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you, our God. Lord, let us pray as you taught us. Our Father, 
who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. great Protestant watchwords, grace alone, faith alone, scripture alone, Christ alone. We have come home. May we be filled with the power of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as we continue the journey in celebration and service. Amen. <laughs>